0: You're listening to Kitchen Table Finance. Join Dave Shotwell and Nick Nauta as they cut through the complexity of financial planning and serve bites of investment advice that are both personal and practical.
1: Hey Dave, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, Nick, how are you? Good, it's another Friday, Podcast Friday.
0: It's Friday, it's almost sunny out. Frogs are making noise. Nice. Are it's to not snowing up. here anymore, yeah, but it's right. definitely
1: not nice out. No, a little bit of rain. We'll take it. We will take it. Indeed. So today's topic, Dave. Uh, what's your ideal retirement age? And just kind of taking a look at retirement in the United States and how it's kind of shifting, and and really even taking a dive back to like where it came from and how we yeah. got here. And, the path forward
0: is yeah we we borrowed a lot of this from a an article in the new york times last week titled what age should you retire what health experts say and it kind of in some ways it was timely like we read we saw that headline right after we did the podcast on social security that was in the wall street journal and so you know um They kind of build on each other. So I thought that was an interesting uh, segue. We talked about how Social Security has struggles, at least on paper, and how that might be dealt with, but how a lot of that comes down to retirement age, right? And how long people are living in retirement. So kind of a different take on that topic here today.
1: Yeah. So as a starting point, let's kind of start um, back at the beginning and, and kind of talk through what this idea of retirement
0: came out of and kind of, you know, where... This whole thing started. In America, the Social Security Act of 1935 kind of established 65 as kind of the um, proper retirement age. It actually goes back further than that. The, the, the first country to wrestle with this was Germany. I think it was in the 1870s setting okay. um, pensions and they chose 65. And there was all kinds of negotiations around it. And that's just where they ended up. When in 1935, when when the Social Security Act was passed, less than 60% of Americans were expected to live to age 65. Yeah. (laughs) So so that kind of, you know, to frame up kind of where we are today with life expectancies much beyond that, Social Security was designed to provide a few years of retirement comfort to the lucky few who lived long enough in retirement to actually receive something. Yeah, well, in
1: kind of the, you know, the original purpose was 1935, we had all of these, um, you know, guys coming back from war and we needed to have, find them jobs. And so we, you know, one of the, the main pushes was, hey, let's set a retirement plan in place where we can get some of the older workers to retire. Mm-hmm. And
0: we have some more
1: available jobs for a lot of the soldiers that are coming back from war.
0: Well, yeah, um, going back, you know, to the 1920s, actually, with um, with guys coming back from World War One and um, some of the problems that created through the Depression, it took them a little while to to come up with anything around it. But, uh, yeah, that was that was part of the thought process. Well, then the other thing back then, too, is, you know, most of the jobs available
1: were in the labor industry. So you could see a distinct difference between a 65 year old worker and a soldier coming back at, you know, and they're early to mid twenties. And there's just a difference in the amount and quality of work right? and that type of labor that you can get out of a younger versus right. an older worker.
0: Yeah. So now since full, since social security was, was established with the retirement age of 65, life expectancy for for Americans has gone up 16 years since then. So, yeah. And climbing, right? Right. Right. And so now You know, Americans are living years, if not decades, in retirement for the most part. And that's all fine and well, but it's not the way that system was designed to work. It's not what Social Security was made for, really.
1: Yeah. Well, think about it. You know, it used to be if you were one of the lucky few who live long enough and now you're unlucky if you don't make it to yeah. Social Security age and, yeah. and aren't able to collect for 10 or 15 yeah, years. Right. And
0: so then, you know, echoing the, the stuff we talked about last week with the Social Security crisis, at the same time, birth rates drop, right? People are living longer, mm-hmm. but there's fewer younger people coming into the workforce over the last, you know, we're getting close to 100 years here. So, you know, you have a shift from a whole bunch of people paying in and very few people collecting to a whole bunch of people collecting for a long time and fewer people paying in relative right. to, the, to, the, to the size of the economy. Yeah. And you, you want to talk about that dynamic too. I mean, we're at
1: this point where, you know, one of the reasons why the labor market is so strong is because there's, you know, a lot of people retired during the pandemic and mm-hmm. didn't go back to work and there's not those younger workers to fill that. Which means there's not also not those younger workers to pay into the system to pay for the current benefits.
0: So we have a system with a lot of strains in it. You know, we talked about this already. So I'm not going to belabor that point. Uh, You can listen back to the last episode. But, uh, you know, they're expecting if nothing changes, Social Security will be depleted, uh, you know, in about 10 years from now. And in France, interestingly enough, you know, the French are always finding something to get excited about. But, um, you know, they're actually having large-scale protests in the streets, like potentially bringing down their their government, you know, enforcing elections over the idea that they want to establish the retirement age at 62, where in France, the life expectancy is 82. Yeah. So, you know, this isn't just an American problem. Um, take, you know, the French will take our problems and exaggerate them. It's really, (laughs) it's kind of, it It goes goes back to uh, the 1780s, I think. But, uh, anyway, um, so, you know, so the, the question really is like, what, what is the right retirement age for people? Like not, not just thinking about social security, but just thinking about health and retirement overall and working and what work means.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I think a lot of like the whole Social Security thing, one of the issues is people just assume that because back in nineteen thirty-five we set the retirement age to sixty-five, mm-hmm. that's that's still a good number to think about in terms of retirement in this day and age. Yeah. Right? yeah. And we haven't really re-evaluated what that number should be. And and it's it's not like, well, first off, it shouldn't be the same number for everybody, right? Like not every right. single person should retire at right. sixty-five. But also, I think as Americans and, and as we see with a lot of our clients, we don't put a whole lot of thought into when we're going to retire and what that means and, and having those conversations and thinking about that in terms of how is it going to benefit you now that retirement, quote unquote, is
0: this 30 year, you know, next phase Potent- of your life. Yeah, potentially uh, for a lot of people, they're going to be in retirement as long as they were working if they're mm-hmm. you know, if things play out. Right. right. So, so the, West, the New York Times article, What Age Should You Retire? They talked to a uh, professor at the Center for Retirement Research at Boston College University named Gal Wetstein. And you know, they found that if an, if, the, if an American is healthy at age 50, they'll have roughly 23 years to be disability free, meaning things that would physically keep them from working. So that's, that's 73. And, and, and then they can expect to live another eight years beyond that in general. So life expectancy around 81, but 20, you know, 70, if you've, if you've made it to 50 and you're healthy, you probably have another 23 years of being able to work. And they that particular researcher calls this work life expectancy rather than just mm-hmm. life expectancy. And I like that concept. But it does kind of frame that up and you know with the idea that just because you're 65 doesn't mean you that you necessarily can't work
1: yeah I mean based on that research you know the expectancy is closer to 73 in terms of what
0: you could potentially right. work. and and they you know they they credit this to medical advances but a lot of it is because of how work has changed in America you know we're not, not as manufacturing or construction based as we used to be. We're more knowledge based and service based, and so they quote a couple other researchers, uh, Lisa Ren- Renzi from uh, the Hamilton uh, Univers- uh, the Hamilton Institute of Gerontology, University of Georgia. You know, they her research has shown that we really remain cognitively able to keep working into our 70s as well a lot of people think you know that they worry about not being able to mentally right continue to work and you know her research shows that some brain functions do like and this is kind of the the anecdotal evidence everybody's kind of aware of that after 45 which means some of us are already in trouble um (laughs) you know some brain functions diminish but what her research has found is that the things that contribute to knowledge work like just the accumulated knowledge and experience that you get plus social cognition can actually continue to improve for decades beyond that. Yeah, it's
1: interesting because, you know, if you think back to when we started the whole social security thing in the 1930s and it was actually a benefit to replace an older worker in a lot of mm-hmm. cases, a younger worker. And mm-hmm. now we kind of have the opposite going on of, you're taking someone with 25, 30, 35 years Mm -hmm. of experience and you're trying to replace them with somebody with zero to maybe five years of experience. And that in this day and age with the type of work that most people do doesn't play out very well.
0: I've had a couple instances where clients were offered early retirements from companies that then turned around and asked them to come back 18 months later when they realized that the young folks (laughs) they'd replaced them with didn't have the institutional knowledge it wasn't as easy yeah. to uh, replace those older workers as they thought it was going to be so um, interesting too with uh, with this uh, research from the University of Georgia you know those processes social cognition and the accumulation of knowledge are actually maintained and strengthened by work mm-hmm. so if you're working in those fields and you stop that can have a negative impact on your Cognitive processes.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and some of this ties back to Mitch Anthony's book, The New Retirementality, yes. um, which we'll have to put because we did a podcast. Yeah, we did, a, on that yeah, as we well. did a,
0: a review of that uh, like a year ago or so. Yeah,
1: But yeah, you know, there's, you know, there's. He had five C's of aging, and mm-hmm. I can tell you what all of them were, but I know that one of them was this, you know, keeping your mind busy and, and yeah. kind of whether it's work that you do at work, actual work or some other kind of work along with another big thing that people get from work is the connection to other people as well. Yeah. Finding ways to replace that.
0: Well, and it reminds me of something I heard my mentor and our firm founder, Beth say more than a few times in client meetings, if you're going to retire, what are you going to retire to? Yeah, absolutely. You You want to retire
1: to something, not from something. Right. right? Ideally.
0: right, (laughs) Right. And, you know, that, and there's lots of valid answers to that, but it needs to be a conscious choice. If, if your, if your goal is to play golf every day and that's going to keep you going, then that's okay. But make sure that that's a, you know, yeah. make sure that's, that's uh, not the default is what you really want to do. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But that, you know, so that, the that research out of Georgia actually shows that delayed retirement leads to better health outcomes. Delayed risk of death, regardless of health prior to retirement. If you work longer, you just stay healthier longer. Yeah. Now, we've got to be careful with this. The flip side of it is, it's easy for you and I who work at a desk and you know l- record podcasts for a living to <laughs> say that everybody should should work till they're 73, to somebody out there who is lugging cement blocks around or up on a roof swinging a hammer all day that can be very different right and oh, yeah. so you know we kind of bringing this full circle to government policies how do you you know how do how do you if you're if you're working on Social security as an issue right say you're a congressional aide how do you set the right retirement age when a big segment of the of the country could potentially work to age 73 with no problems and it may actually be a better, health outcome for them, but then you've got other people that are working very hard and physically wearing their bodies out at 55 or 60. How do you, you know, and to take that a step further, and this is, this is Dave being anecdotal. I'm not, don't have any research on this, but I think, I think we're pretty safe to say that a lot of the knowledge-based jobs are going to be the higher paying jobs and the folks Mm -hmm. that probably have the means to retire when they want to anyway. So, sure. so you're taking, if you set that age too high for something like social security and say, everybody needs to work to age 70. Well, you know, you and I in, in our kind of profession could say, okay, we'll work till 70 and and be fine. But, you know, at the same time, we're saving for retirement and, you know, mm-hmm. talk, walk in the walk of all the things we talk to people about, hopefully. Right. So yeah. You know, retiring early wouldn't be as big a financial issue maybe for us, but that, you know, those, those folks that are working in those manually intense jobs that may, they, they may not have a choice about retiring early and they may not be as prepared to retire early. So you've got to, if social security is going to be meaningful, you've got to account for that.
1: You know, it's just interesting to think about and to talk about some of these things. But I go back to something we said earlier, which is, you know, it's a personal mm-hmm. thing and it's a personal choice. You know, it, it, you know, just because you're in one of these jobs you might be able to do until you're 70 doesn't necessarily mean you want to, right? right. Like right. Just as harmful or just as beneficial, well, I think, as working later is continuing to work to a point in a job that you don't like, that beats you yes. down every day. Yeah. Even if it isn't physical, <laughs> for like, sure, the mental health of that is also
0: important. For too. sure, for sure, that's a good point. And and it it uh, just emphasizes that it's not a one size fits all kind of kind of thing. We love podcasting for a living, so you know yeah. we, <laughs> might be, <laughs> we might we might <laughs> very tongue in cheek, folks. This is not our day mm-hmm. job. We do like what we do, and we and we and it's very easy to say I'm going to do this until. Uh, Till Nick tells me I can't do it anymore. Yeah. That's not true just because you're in a knowledge based business. And, you know, I think of, you know, my, my wife was an attorney with a big law firm and worked very hard in a knowledge based service type business. Right. And I remember her calling me at, uh, after a intense, uh, company meeting and saying, okay, I'm done at 50. You know, (laughs) because she just she just did not want to deal with it anymore. You you just can't assume, you just can't make assumptions across the whole thing. And and as a country and as a people, we need to really think about what retirement should look like in a fair way for everybody. When Mm -hmm. when our politicians are trying to figure out Social Security, just keep in mind there's no easy answers for anybody, and um, you know. One thing to keep in mind is part of what made Social Security acceptable to Americans because it kind of smelled like like socialism, right? It's right in the name. Sure. And in the 1930s, that was a very contentious topic. You know, the Bolshevik threat was considered real in this country, and a Social Security program was, in a lot of ways, considered un-American. And the way it was packaged, though, his, politically was. You're going to invest your money while you work. We're going to accumulate that with interest and essentially create a pension for you that you have funded yourself. But we know that you're going to get it. If you live longer, You know, other people are going to subsidize it. And if they live longer, you're subsidizing them. But you know, that, was a, that was a more acceptable trade-off that essentially you're going to collect my taxes while I'm working. And then I'm going mm-hmm. to get my money back over time. That's changed. Social security now is much more redistributive than it used to be Mm -hmm. um, because now benefits are taxed and the way the formula is structured, um, you get a lot more credit for your first, I don't, I forget the formula, but essentially lower income workers get credited a higher percentage of their work towards their social security benefit. Once you right. get above a certain amount of income, somewhere in the 50,000 range, your benefit starts to taper off. Yeah. So so it is more redistributive than it used to be.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's an interesting concept too because these numbers as far as life expectancy are, you know, continue to go up and mm-hmm. I don't see them going down or even staying flat. And so we've got to figure out how it works because we've got this young generation that we're essentially asking, Hey, you know, pay into this system for the next 30 to 40 years. And hopefully Mm -hmm. it works for, you know, we, the, the, the reason that they would want to do that is so that there's some benefit for them when they get there. And so we've got to be able to tailor it to be enticing for them to say, yeah, I'll buy into that.
0: Right. No easy solutions. We'll link to the New York times article. I'm not sure if this one requires a subscription or not, but, uh, but uh, there's good information in there. I really like the fact that it took some things that we've always kind of thought and talked about with retiree or people planning to retire about, you know, the, considering whether they're psychologically ready to retire and right. hung some research on that for us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the main takeaway from this is really think about your retirement in terms mm-hmm. of what you want it to look like, how you want it to be structured and when you want it to happen instead of just relying on a number that they yeah. decided on in 1935, right?
0: Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and I, another another little Beth anecdote that kind of goes with that. She had a sign in her office that said, uh, it's, it, it said, what age would you be if you didn't know how old you were? Mm, and I like that. Uh, Yeah, yeah. So it's not just about the uh, number of birthdays, right? Yeah. So... Very All good. Right.
1: Well, thank you, Dave. Pleasure as always, my yeah. friend. Good
0: talk. Thank you. Gather around and follow the Kitchen Table Finance podcast to learn about money and simple ways you can invest right now. You can find more practical advice at srbadvisors.com and contact the team for personal planning by emailing info at srbadvisors.com.